Paul has been talking to us about becoming a servant of the church. And last week he talked about the great struggle that he was going through for the Colossian Christians and for other Christians. How that we need to be these spiritual soldiers who are willing to go out onto the battlefield and, and, and deal with things in order to bring about the spiritual maturity in, in other people. And now Paul wants to remind us of maybe the, the key passage in the whole book. And, and it really centers on verse 10 about reminding us that you have, every Christian, that you have been filled in him, speaking about Jesus Christ, in whom is all the fullness of the deity in bodily form. We have been filled in him. In other words, as Paul even says to the Roman Christians, we have complete victory through him who loves us. Complete victory. Complete in him. So when we think about the daunting task of living for Christ and serving Christ and living by faith and dealing with it, especially even during times of crisis or adversity like we're going through right now in our lives, it's like, how do we stand confidently and with conviction, with boldness and courage in the days that, that we're navigating right now? It, it's in knowing every day that we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory, and that we've already been given the victory. It's just a matter of living out of that victory. And what Paul's going to do tonight is he's going to remind us that Jesus Christ has already defeated the world, the flesh, and the devil for us that he's already defeated sin, death, and hell for us. Every obstacle, every enemy, Jesus Christ has already defeated and, and been victorious over. And in a sense now, is handing us that victory and saying, now what are you, you going to do with it? Because as we're also going to see through this passage, Paul is saying to the Colossians that, that we are literally surrounded by Jesus Christ at all times. He is beside us. He is beneath us. He is over us. He is in us. He is with us. That there's nowhere in a sense we are wrapped up in, in, a, in a Jesus, you know, bubble, if you will. And there's not a thing that we can do, nowhere we can go, that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the King of kings, is not there with us. And he's already given us the victory ahead of time. So Paul's saying, what are we going to do with that? So notice how Paul begins this. He says in verse 6, therefore, again, going back to the fact that, that yes, we're called to be servants, and, and it's not easy to serve the Lord and, and, and to navigate all that. But he says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, which that's important. See, it's not just a matter of us receiving him as our Savior. It's receiving him as our Lord. It means that he is the ultimate authority in our life. That means he decides, not us, not anybody else for us. He decides the steps of our life. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Are the steps that we are taking right now even in our life, are they being ordered by the Lord? Are we making the steps that we're making based upon hearing the Lord's voice or is it other voices? And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So notice Paul says, as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. There never comes a place where we stop walking with the Lord. And, and notice, 
It's basically a reminder that he's right here with us. We're walking with Jesus every day. He is with us. He is beside us, okay? Then he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, the ground that we're walking on with Jesus, it's as solid as it gets. That there is, there is no sinking sand. That walking with Jesus is not going through quicksand or anything else. No, no. In fact, when we walk with Jesus and walk towards Jesus, we even see in the Bible that someone like Peter can walk on water. Jesus can make water solid if that's what he wants us to do. So notice, he says, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, firm in your faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. All these words, rooted, built up, firm in your faith, these all have to do with basically, you know, architectural uh, design and construction and all that. It's the idea that Christ is our foundation. And as we root ourselves in him, we're like that tree the tree that Psalm 1 talks about that's planted by the rivers of water, we, we become stable and firm in him, and nothing can move us. No matter how strong the winds howl around us and the storms get, we are rooted in Jesus Christ, and therefore we are always on solid ground. And then he says we're built up in him. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And he wants to build upon that foundation. And again, Paul even said to the Corinthians, there is no other foundation that we can lay other than the foundation that's already been laid for us, which is Jesus Christ. Now that we have that solid foundation, God wants to begin to build something in our lives and with our lives. He has a plan and purpose. And if we really feel like it's solid, in fact, what Christ has for us is more solid than anything else, then hopefully we will be willing to follow that plan and purpose no matter what it is. Then he says, be firm in your faith. Again, talking about that ground beneath of us. So Jesus is not only just with us, beside us, continuing to walk with us, but now he has planted us, he has rooted us, he has built us up, and now we are confirmed and secure, you see. I hope you feel that way tonight, that no matter how uncertain the days are and that we don't know this and we don't know that, that when we're walking with Jesus Christ, there is no greater solid ground. We have unbelievable footing when we're walking with Jesus Christ because whatever path he has for us, whatever road we are on with him, it is absolutely the most solid ground that we can walk on as human beings. And because we know that we are walking with him and he's beside of us every day, and that in a sense he's underneath of us providing that solid ground and that foundation, notice Paul then ends verse 7 by saying, shouldn't we be overflowing with thanksgiving? Shouldn't we be expressing gratitude to God for the fact that we are on solid ground with him? The, the, the whole world can be shaking that the whole world can be convulsing. The whole world, as the psalmist says, the mountains can be falling into the sea and all of this, and there can be earthquakes and all these different things uh, seismologically. But he says, when you and I are walking with Christ, it's solid. And therefore, we should always be so thankful that in the uncertain, unstable, you know, times that we live in on earth, that we always, as Christ followers, 
have a solid foundation, and we have Jesus walking with us. So he's beside us, he's below us. That's why then he goes on in verse 8 to say, be careful, Christian. And this is constant. This is a continual thing. It's, it's a present tense. It's like we never stop being careful, being discerning, being perceptive to allow anyone or anything to captivate us through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Now, we're going to cover all that in just a moment, but I want to go back to the idea of not being captivated. It was a term that was used uh, for the military about POWs, if you will, prisoners of war. It is a reminder that you and I, as Christians, are in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not, every day. And that, that you and I have to be very careful about, again, the voices that we are listening to and that we are not, in a sense, taken prisoner of war in this spiritual battle between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we can start listening to empty, deceitful philosophy. What does that mean? It simply means elevating human wisdom over the wisdom of God. And may I say, that the wisdom of God, according to Paul in Corinthians, is foolishness to most people, you see. Why? Well, because the wisdom of God even says the cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Most people say the cross, you know, seemingly defeat and all of that. Yeah, because again, God's values and God's kingdom is different than man's ways. In fact, God says my ways are higher than man's ways so far that you can't even can't even comprehend it. So you and I have to be careful always. Are we on solid ground because we're following Jesus and we're listening to him and what he has for us and we're walking with him? Are we starting to listen to human wisdom over the wisdom of God, even sometimes if it's foolish? And we know God puts us in those places because he wants to see faith. He wants to see us not walking by sight, but by faith, by just trusting in him. That's why he would say things to the Israelites like, I'm going to defeat this city, but here's how I want you to do it. I want you to walk around Jericho every day. I want you to walk around the city. Well, at any time, the, the people in Jericho could have come out and killed him or whatever. No, God, trust me. I just want you to walk. And then the last day, we're going to, in a sense, have a praise service, and we're going to celebrate you with horns and everything, and that's how God's going to bring the walls of Jericho down. Doesn't make sense, does it? No. But God says, I don't have to make sense to you. What I'm asking of you is, will you trust me, you see? Don't listen to human wisdom over the wisdom of God. And then he says, don't listen to human traditions that are simply passed down from one generation to another. Now, that doesn't mean all traditions are bad. It simply means, are we just passing along, just parroting along things that we, you know, we heard from somebody else and we're just passing along to others? And he says, what about listening to my voice every day? Are you, are you receiving what I have for you? Are you just listening to traditions? And then this is very important. He says, also, we can, we can be captivated and become a, a spiritual POW by listening to the elemental spirits of the world. What in the world is that? Well, you see, I don't want to get into this because I could take a whole message on this, and maybe someday I will. But 
God is referring to unique spiritual beings, okay? Unique spiritual beings whose primary focus is to influence the leaders around the world. Now, now hang here with me. This is really important. That means that anyone in leadership in our country, around the world, are, are very prone and susceptible and vulnerable to the influence of spiritual beings whose sole focus is to influence them as leaders in countries and places like that because it's the trickle-down effect. If I can influence leaders, then obviously the people underneath their leadership are going to be negatively affected too. And you and I have to realize something that everything that happens in the physical world is connected to the spiritual world. Everything. There's not anything that happens in our life physically that doesn't have its origin in the spiritual world. And what you and I have to be careful of even today is realizing that many leaders in our own country and around the world are listening to these elemental spirits. And they're not spirits of God, which is why God says in his word to his people, test the spirits. Test to see whether they are from God or not. Just because someone in leadership, even spiritual leadership, is saying something, is that truly coming from you, God, or is that coming from another spirit, a spirit that is not aligned with you? Because he goes on to say that these things are of the world and not according to Christ, you see. You and I are bombarded every day with messages from elemental spirits who are pushing their own agenda, their own propaganda, and they're using media, and they're using politicians, and they're using even other spiritual leaders and everything to get their message across because they want to negatively influence this world. And they start at the top, at the leadership position, and their unique, again, focus throughout history has been that they will, they will focus on these leaders as they come to power. And they will use them for their own ends. Now, again, that doesn't mean they're not responsible for their own choices and decisions. It simply means they have opened themselves up to the influence of these, in a sense, demonic spirits. Paul says, no, no, no. That's why you and I have to make sure that we're testing the spirits and testing everything that we hear and that ultimately our primary guide in our life is the Holy Spirit and the voice of God within us and in his word. Because Paul reminds us in verse 9, in him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. 100% God, 100% human. And that has been attacked since Jesus came. There have been down through history those who denied his deity in some respect, that he wasn't fully God, or they denied his humanity in some respect. You and I, the reason we are called Christians is because we trust and believe it. I can't explain it. I can't explain that in one being, even Jesus Christ, he is 100% God, 100% man. I can't explain it, but I believe it. I trust in it because God said that's the way it is. But then God said, I want you to know that because you, every Christian, verse 10, have been filled in him. Again, we talked about this the very first week in our introduction. That means 
We are not in a state of deficiency. We are lacking nothing because the one that we are in, the one who's walking with us that we are to continue to walk with, the one who's underneath us who is providing us the strongest foundation is the Lord of glory, the one who is higher than anyone else in the universe. He's conquered sin and death and hell for us. He's conquered the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus said to his followers, in the world you'll have trouble and tribulation, but be of good cheer, I overcame the world. Everything that you and I will face, Jesus Christ has already overcome. So then he begins to go into all the things that, that he's conquered for us and he's overcome. And one of the first things he says are all these spiritual beings, whether they're demons, elemental spirits, Satan himself or whatever, and, and even worldly rulers. Notice what he says. Jesus is the head, the end of verse 10, over every ruler and authority. He's over. So he's not only with us, he's not only underneath of, of us, he's over us. And there's nothing higher than Jesus Christ. And that means, too, that Jesus is in control. Because if he's over every ruler and authority, in, in the spirit world and in the physical world, that means there's no one over him, you see. And we're in him you see. So we don't have to be living in fear of all authorities and powers that we have to deal with, whether they be flesh and blood or whether they be invisible spiritual uh, beings. We don't have to fear them because our Savior, our Lord, the one that we walk with, the one that we're walking upon, if you will, who's providing that foundation, the one who's in us, the one who's with us is also over everything. Then he says, in him you also were circumcised. Now, this isn't the physical circumcision. This is undergoing a spiritual surgery. And what he's going to talk about here is how Jesus Christ has conquered our flesh so that you and I don't have to obey our flesh any longer. That now, through Jesus Christ, a greater power has entered our life when we became a Christian. Notice he says, in him you were also circumcised. Not with a circumcision performed by human hands, but by the removal of the fleshly body, that is through the circumcision done by Christ. In other words, the authority and power of our fallen human nature has no more power over us than what we allow it to have. If we give in to our flesh, it's because we give in to it, not because we have to, but because we do. We choose to. See, because now... Through the Holy Spirit living within us, we have a greater power than our flesh. And that means you and I have the capacity as Christians, as those who walk with Christ, and in a sense walk on the foundation that Christ provides, who is over every ruler and authority, we have the power to say no to sin. So then he goes on to say, also, having been buried with him in baptism, verse 12, you've also been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. That we have absolute confidence in the power of God and we realize that we've been totally identified with Jesus Christ. We, in a sense, were buried with him in, our, in, in his baptism, but we were also raised with him in his resurrection. That's why Paul said, positionally, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, you see. Do you believe that tonight, that that's 
That's your perspective. That's where we're from. You see, these, again, are all the things that Jesus Christ has brought to us already and why Paul could say to the Romans, we have complete victory through the one who loved us because we're complete in him, verse 10 of Colossians 2. We are filled in him. Notice, verse 13, even though you were dead in your transgressions, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. Jesus Christ took our sin, and he's done away with it, you see. He has literally pardoned it. Paul's talking here about a grace from God that cancels our debt, that wipes out our record of sin and transgression against God. Notice he says in verse 14, he's totally destroyed what was against us. He's erased it. He's obliterated it. He's eliminated any trace of our sin and our failings for all time. What an amazing God. And then Paul goes on to say, we owe God, before we became a Christian, a spiritual IOU that we could never pay. We tried to live up to the law, but notice he says, it was expressed in decrees opposed to us. It was a standard that we were trying to keep before we came to faith in Christ, but we never could. But Paul now says, Jesus Christ, he took that away by nailing it to his cross. See, he literally took all of that upon himself and then wholly removed it when he died on the cross so that you and I stand forgiven, forgiven for all of our past sins, forgiven our sin presently, and even forgiven for all the sins that we will ever commit until we go to be with Jesus and become like him because we see him as he is. It's all done away with. Jesus is telling us here through his servant Paul, I've conquered, I conquered your sin. I've conquered the flesh. I've conquered the, every ruler and authority. There's nothing more I can do. Live in the victory that I have provided for you. I, I want you to keep your finger in Colossians. I'm going to come right back there, but it's one of my favorite couple verses in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Please look at these verses for just a moment. Micah 7, 18 and 19. Micah says, there is no other God like you. You forgive sin and pardon the rebellion of those who remain among your people. You do not remain angry forever, but delight in showing loyal love. You will once again have mercy on us. You will conquer our evil deeds. You will hurl our sins into the depths of the sea. Complete victory. Because he's wiped out our sin debt to him once and for all. That's why you and I never have to think about God throwing our sin up in our face. If, if, if sin is being thrown up in our face, it's either us, another human being, or the accuser, the slander, the devil, who will throw our sin and our failures up in our face. God never does, because he's already cast it into the depths of the sea. And Jesus saying, don't live in defeat, live in my victory. I've already conquered all this. You can say no to it. And then, Verse 14, not only has he taken it away by nailing it to his cross, but then go into Colossians 2.15, disarming the rulers and authorities. Not only have we already been told that he is head over every ruler and authority in verse 10, 
But now he's literally disarmed them so that, again, any power that they have over us, even the spiritual ones, are because we give them that power. We, we don't have to give in to them. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Why? Because Jesus has given us the victory. And Christ's victory has been a complete victory that subdued all of our enemies by his death. Paul goes on to say, he has made a public disgrace of them. In other words, he exposed their inferiority to himself. Every enemy, everything that Christ has come up against, he has totally defeated. He is the undisputed, undefeated champion of God. He will never be defeated by anyone or anything. And you and I, according to Paul here in Colossians 2.10, we're in him. We walk with him every day. We walk in the ground that he provides for us. He's over every ruler and authority. So he's over us. He's beside us. He's underneath us. He's in us. He's with us. We're wrapped up in Jesus. Paul says, so you want to know why? You have enough strength for the journey and strength for the struggle and strength to serve and, and, and have the stuffings to do whatever it is God is asking you to do because God's already handed you the victory. Live in that victory. Finally, notice what Paul says in verse 15. He has not only made a public disgrace of them, he has triumphed over them all by the cross. He has demonstrated a complete conquest, a complete victory. That's why Jesus, his last words were on the cross, it is finished, done, accomplished, achieved, forever and ever, amen. Paul is saying, this is it. This should provide us with such great encouragement because there's nowhere that we can look around us that Jesus isn't already there. He's above us. He's underneath us. He's beside of us. He's with us. He's in us. There is no place that we can go that Jesus Christ, the one who has defeated everything in the universe, is not there with us. And, and Paul is saying, look at it. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. Now, not in this passage, but Paul later on says, you realize that Jesus Christ has taken the sting out of death? It, 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 picture this, a, a, a father and his son are driving down the road and the son's actually driving and a bee flies in and starts to freak out the son who's driving and the father just grabs a hold of the bee in his, in his hand and he lets it sting him because he doesn't want the son to wreck the car or get all upset about it knowing that the bee only has one stinger and it's already in there and the bee could be still making a lot of noise in that hand, but it can't sting anyone any longer because the Father took the stinger out. That's what Jesus did to death. Death can make a lot of noise to us as Christians, but he's taken the sting out of it because he's defeated death, you see. Everything Jesus has come up against, he has defeated. So Paul is saying, folks, we are, we are more than enough through him. Who loved us. We, we don't ever have to live defeated one day in our life. 
we can step out and step forward in confidence and boldness and courage and face whatever it is, even in darkness, even in uncertain times. So give me your attention for just a moment, folks, because I, I want to just transition for the few moments I have left till I say goodbye to you tonight. I, I just want to share my heart with you as, as your pastor. I, as your pastor, have the responsibility before God to care for your soul. The, the book tells us this in the book of Hebrews. I am responsible before God, and I will give an account one day before God as a shepherd of God's people of how well I cared for their souls, which means I've got to create an environment where your soul, in a sense, can thrive and grow and where I can place you in the best possible place that I can place you and, and, and lead you as God would want me to lead so that you can prosper spiritually. So I want you to know that everything I'm saying tonight is only because I love you and I, I want what's best for you spiritually. And you may not like it, you may disagree with it, you may even get upset with, with me about it. That's fine, but you've got to hear me say from my heart that, that this is something that God wants me to share with you. The Bible teaches us as God's people, that we are not to walk by sight, but we are to walk by faith. And many Christians that I've talked to, not just here associated with our church, but Christians all over the country, one of the things that has grieved me is that I hear Christians saying that they're making decisions about the way they're living their life and even whether they're coming back to church or not based on looking to see what everybody else is doing or what, what's happening around them. They're, they're making decisions not based upon hearing the prompting of the Spirit or listening to the voice of God, but they're making it based on what they see and what they hear from others. They may even be sort of testing the wind and saying, which way is the wind blowing? That, that, I'm, that's going to determine what decisions I make. Now listen, I should have prefaced what I'm about to say First, with this, there are some of you that it is wise, it is prudent, and it is absolutely responsible of you to stay home at this point because you maybe have a, an underlying health condition or, or something else going on that, that you need to do that. And, and you've heard God's voice give you that permission and that peace to do it. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who are sort of sitting on the fence and saying, but, but, but pastor, you don't understand. These are dark and uncertain times. I understand that. I, I really do. But see, we have to understand that our faith can navigate the darkness. Our faith was built for uncertain times. Because again, we don't need to see anything or hear anything to be able to live by faith. The only thing we need to do is dial ourselves into God and to be able to primarily hear what God is leading us to do. That's our sole thing, you see. That's living by faith. And, and my, my concern is that so many Christians are allowing 
other things to determine their actions rather than the voice of God. Now, if you can say that you're staying home and, and the way you're living is because you clearly hear God leading you to do that, I can't argue with that. But if you're making those decisions based on any other criteria, and you can't say with confidence that I'm making this decision because it's a decision based on faith. It is a decision based on the fact that I clearly hear God telling me, go this way. Then you do it. Because God is leading you to do it. But any decision made not of faith, according to the word of God, is sin. And the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm not saying it's easy to live by faith, but I am telling you this, and I've seen this in my own life. When I take a step of faith, when I step out in faith, even in the darkness, where I can't see how things are going to turn out, even in uncertain time, God always blesses and rewards faith. There is not a time in the Bible where God called his people to trust him, even though they couldn't see the future, they couldn't see what was going to happen, and God said, just trust me in this, and they stepped out, and they weren't blessed and rewarded for it. So I'm asking you, I'm urging you, that whatever decisions you make, please make sure that for your own spiritual health and well-being, that you are making them out of faith and not out of fear. Because there is no gray area between faith and fear. I've heard many Christians say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not making these decisions because I'm afraid. Listen, there is no gray area between faith and fear. If I'm not making it in faith, then yes, I'm allowing something else other than faith to be the primary inspiration and motivation for my action. And I'm saying, let's not shrink back at this moment. Let us step out in faith and be a people of faith. And God will reward and he will bless. I hope to see many of you on Sunday, but know this, that if you choose not to come, I'm not going to love you any less. And I know that some of you have legitimate reasons for not being here on Sunday and next Wednesday when we reopen. I get that. And I want you to wait until you feel God is leading you back here. But know this, when you come back, you will be welcomed with open arms. Because we are a church that's not only built on worship and the Word of God, we are a church that is built on love. And God loves you. And God is loving all of us through this time. And God is the one that's going to bring us out. We need to look to him by faith. Just as Moses was commanded by God to wrap that serpent around that pole and encourage the people, look at that. It will heal you. It will bring healing and wholeness to you. Just look at it by faith. There was nothing in the pole there was no special power. and It was the idea that they, by faith, looked at what God said to look at. 
And God is saying to us today as his people, don't look at all these other things. Don't listen to all this other stuff. Listen to me. Follow what I have for you and walk by faith. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless you.